This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Welcome to The Reel Down on Paddling Fin with your hosts, Dan Perry and Jimmy Skinner, where we talk about everything tournament kayak fishing. Here we go. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Again, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Reel Down here on Paddle and Finn. How you doing, Jimmy? Pretty good, man. How was y'all's Christmas? Good. Yeah, I had good Christmas. Exciting. I have a four-year-old, so like Christmas is this year was like the first year it was a real thing. Like you know, <laughs> like last year was good. Three is good, but four is like it's real. And it starts knowing what's going on. Yeah, it was a good time. So that's awesome. How about you, man? Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, as much as COVID sucks and has affected our family and other stuff, I honestly was okay with not having to do all the traveling to all the family Christmases. Uh, yeah. my, my mom came up, and it was me, my wife, my daughter, my mom. It was just pleasant, no stress. It was great. Like, didn't get up till like, 9.30 Christmas morning, which isn't usually my, – my, my daughter's up at, like, 5.30, but – we slept late, had breakfast. I didn't worry about doing a big Christmas dinner. It was, I need more of those. <laughs> it was, it was nice. <laughs> we, we, a couple of people didn't come just because of COVID, but we still did the whole family thing. We, we risked it all for family. We would have, but uh, my mother-in-law has had it. This is her second bout with it in a month and it's kicking her, kicking her butt. Yeah. So we yeah. just, they they didn't do theirs and her dad didn't do his till the weekend after. Oh well, it was Christmas is Friday. We did it Sunday, but uh, but yeah, it, it's all good. It was a good Christmas. Everything will get back to normal. There you go. Point. Yeah, 
Well, we hope everybody else had a good Christmas and a couple of show updates. Uh, probably going to be the first week of February. We'll go or the second week. We'll go back to a live show. Uh, so right now you're still listening to us on a podcast, obviously, and not live. But, uh, but yeah, so whenever that Hobie tournament starts up, that's whenever we'll go back. We'll go back to doing a live show then, probably. Okay, I thought it. There's a the Tinvitationals before that, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah, so maybe we'll do we it. May, we may be back early. So yeah, yeah. So before too long, we'll, we'll be back with a live show and also a podcast platform. Um, but yeah, another big update for us is this year in 2021, 2021, glad to finally get past 2020. Uh, <laughs> if you're watching it, you've already seen, uh, the reel down at Paddle Fin has uh, shows, you know, podcast sponsors, but each segment, some of them have their own sponsor as well. And me and Jimmy, we are proud to say that we are now being, the reel down is being sponsored by Dugout Bait and Tackle in Marietta, Georgia. So, you know, I mean, if you don't know and you've never been there, it's amazing. It's like, you know, the it's one of those cool places that has all the cool stuff, all the high end, the mega bass, Shimano, like all the stuff that you want. Like they have everything. It's legit. People that know what they're doing. They sell Hobies. The team they've amassed, including one of our guests tonight, is the best. I mean, it's not even arguable the best team in the country, no doubt. And um, great people have been doing it for a long time, so we're really proud. And there's going to be a lot of things coming out with that, but uh, big things on the horizon with Dugout. But just want to say thank you to them, and we're definitely proud to proud to be partnered up with them for 2021. Yeah. Hopefully they don't get sick of us too quick. <laughs> no. No, we'll, we'll make them proud. No, I think they were just as excited to do it as we were. So yeah, it'll, it'll be a good time. That's right. All right. So without further ado, uh, kind of going in 2020, we all had really high hopes of what the season could be. In many ways, we accomplished that, but it wasn't without a lot of hurdles. So tonight, uh, this is our second annual, but we're going to have our uh, state of the state of kayak fishing. That's a terrible name, but that's what we call it. And that's going to be looking back at 2021, 2020, and looking forward to 2021 and beyond. So we're lucky enough to be joined by two of the best anglers in the country. But besides that, they're also two of the best men that that are in the sport. And they're deep, thoughtful thinkers who fish all the different trails so they know what's going on. And, um, yeah, so they should bring a lot to the conversation. So welcome to the show, Adam Riser and Drew Gregory. Thanks for being on, guys. Good evening. Yeah, guys. Howdy, howdy. We're glad to be here. Yeah, man. Happy y'all could be here. Y'all have a good Christmas, too. We didn't ask y'all beforehand. Good, Adam. I, w- I literally woke up to the bomb blast. Like, it, it literally woke me up. Um, it, I heard I it. I, no. I, thought it was, I thought it was thunder. Look out the window. And I was like, well, it wasn't thunder. And then I lived like a, a mile from some train tracks that you can hear like some faint train noise in the distance, like pretty regularly. Uh, and I was like, I guess there's a couple of cars like slamming together or something, not in, like in a crash way. And then like an hour later, I'm having my coffee in the morning and I'm reading the news. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So wow. that kind of put the and I had to drive by it. I, I had uh, Christmas with my, my folks down in Murfreesboro. I had to drive by it, man. Like that's that's a weird way to get your head started on, on, on Christmas, yeah. you know, on an already odd Christmas. So, um yeah. And, and not the most pleasant way is I'll probably remember this one, you know. 
Oh, for sure. It's crazy. I, I couldn't, I mean, you being right there, man. I mean, I was, you know, I know a lot of people have a lot of friends up there your way. And then my wife was like, Hey, a, a bomb went off in Nashville. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> I thought wow. we were over all this. Like, wow. uh, that's nuts, man. That's nuts. My, my Christmas was, was definitely, uh, you know, free of bombs like that, but our son definitely, you know, blew up the whole living room with, with <laughs> you know, wrapping paper and bows. And like, man, it's what Dan, it's what you said, man. He's two and a half years old. You know, it's not, yeah. you can tell he's on the cusp, like three and a half next year, closer to four. Like, you know, like you got yeah. there, it would be, it's going to be on. Uh, but he, he had a good time and uh, that's what it was all about. And then similar to you, Jimmy, uh, we kind of enjoyed in a weird way. It, you know, it was sad not being able to see my family down in Atlanta because I'm up here in Northeast Ohio now. Uh, but at the same time, it was kind of nice to not have to, to travel. You know, Christmas is seems like it brings on more responsibilities every year and so much you have to do. Right. And now we're in a new home trying to get settled in. So in a way, it kind of worked out um, this time for us as well. And we'll still see my family and do a little Christmas later in the year when this hopefully breaks up a little bit. So that's right. There you go. Well, good deal. And we'll start off the show by saying congratulations to Adam, like one of the only tournaments around. And he won the <laughs> Tennessee Kayak uh, – Bass Nation for Tennessee won their tournament on Dale Hollow, and you're a guide up there. So, uh, tell us about that, man. How how do you catch them? If you can, tell uh, I, I caught them the exact same way that I did last time I talked to you guys. Um, I'll, I'll I'll elaborate on that a little bit. Um, I don't know. You want the you want the rundown now, the whole rundown of just how it kind of came together. That's yeah, give me more of that. Man. Uh, tournament was Saturday. I was only going to be able to practice uh, Friday. Um, talked to a buddy or two on Wednesday or Thursday, and they said that uh, some of the areas of the lake where I typically like to fish was turning over pretty bad, and the fishing was really bad. Um, I hadn't really heard a good report out of there anytime recently either. So I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't go messing around uh, Friday on my, my normal stuff. And I uh, picked a creek that I hadn't been to since spring, and it was 14 foot higher at full pool during spring, and I've only seen it at that level. So I was like, I'm just going to go practice a, a, a big creek and um, just try to find where the fish are in like whatever third or quarter section of the Creek and just fish for them, you know? Uh, so Friday scanned around, didn't see anything I liked, um, uh, fish some of the standard smallmouth techniques that you would, you would do around that time of the year, nothing. Uh, and I was just kind of graphing around. I was like, I just need to graph until I find some life. So I just spent hours just graphing, no, no fishing. And I ran over a little something. I was like, I think that was some fish down there. And I turned around and cast it on it and caught a fish. And I was like, all right, that's, that's good to know. And grabbed some more. And then at the end of the day, I came back to that spot just to see if there's it was a true spot or if it was just a random fish. Two more casts, two more fish, all largemouth. So that day I caught a, a 14, 16, and 18-inch largemouth. And I, and I marked a lot more of them down there, too. So I was like, all right, tournament day. I figured I can get a limit of 16 inches, then I'll go try to cull with smallmouth. That was my game plan. Um, get out there on Saturday. There's three other guys at that ramp in the tournament, too. Um, I, I don't waste too much time before I went to my waypoints where those fish were and I just smashed them. Um, they, they were probably anywhere, my rough guess, 50 to 100 largemouth on, on this stretch. Uh, it's basically fishing a uh, – a river ledge. It was just like you would ledge fish a, a TVA fishery, except it was December in Del Hollow. Go figure. And all largemouth. I thought there'd be smallmouth with them, but there wasn't. Um, probably caught over 20 fish, long line cranking. Uh, 
I could, I was catching 18s and they didn't help me. Um, and then the, this next detail I'm not crazy about and I'm not proud of, but it's how it happened. Uh, at about noon or so, I just, I, I was done fishing pretty much. Um, and my, my rain jacket failed and I was free. It was rainy and windy all day. Yeah, you um, I was, I was shivering. I was cold. I had done everything I could to catch these fish. I fought and had 96 inches. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm beyond going in back to the truck and warming up and then relaunching. I, I was past that point. Yeah. Um, so I was like, man, I just got to throw in the towel and, and hope that, uh, next three hours, no one leaps me. And, uh, God tied me, but I had the big fish by a quarter inch. So I barely squeaked it out. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm not proud that I got uh, even the tournament went to three 30 and I think I was off there by like 12, 15 or so. Um, so not crazy about the, doing that, but uh, I got, yeah. I got cold and wet. Like you're talking about, you know, on Logan Martin and I, I like the cold. I really, it takes a lot for me to get miserable, but once you get that just soaking cold and the winds that bad and you start shivering a year, yep. you're done. Like yep. I don't, I wouldn't, you know, don't, you know, be hard on yourself about it. Cause that's, that's something that's just miserable for anybody. And it was like, there, there was nothing much I could do at that point. And like my under layers were pure, like completely saturated. So I was toast. Um, and, and it's Jimmy, I know you and I have talked about rain gear, uh, off the air before, you know, the, the first thing I bought after I got paid from that tournament was some nice high end, like rain gear, some, some, the stuff I had was all right, but I kind of just worn through it and I got my money's worth out of it. So I got me some good stuff now. So I'm going to put it to the test next, uh, that next was day we have, we'll see. I mean, I and you you get good brands and think that they're up to the hype, but I feel like sometimes some of the the you know even the bass boat anglers don't really get to put them mm -hmm. through their paces. I mean, the, the I won't throw names out there. The brand I used is one of the biggest names in that business, and I mean it's all but brand new and failed like within five hours mm -hmm. of a steady rain. Do you guys have like since we're sitting in our kayaks? Do you have uh? ring gear fail just because there's like a puddle because we're sitting and there's like a little puddle of water sitting in a fold of your jacket or something like that. And it seeps through the, like, Mine, that's, that's, that's one difference I've noticed as opposed to guys that are standing on a boat all day and it can just literally just drip off of them, you know? Mine, you know, I sit, sit pretty high. Mine failed probably from like mid thigh down. So it wasn't pooled water. It was, it started at the legs yeah, and then it worked its way up. It was terrible. Well, Adam, as you, uh, as you know, man, I like to fish and I'm known to fish some real, real skinny water. Mine failed because I was going so skinny. I'm paddling in a couple inches and briars with blackberries and everything are just the raspberries all over me and it's just pulling it apart. Now I'm just kidding. That's not what mine failed. Actually. Um, well, it's totally believable for you. It is, it is believable <laughs> with me. I'm just messing with you guys, but. Um, yeah, we, everyone knows I like to get skinny. So I figured that was believable, but, uh, I do actually have a, a, a quasi shameless plug. It's not really, it's actually good for this conversation here. I used to be sponsored by Kokatat. Kokatat comes from the paddle sports world and they, uh, were making some really good, uh, fishing PFDs. And I've since switched over to Stolquist, but they have some amazing dry suits and, and their gear for actually keeping you, you know, their Gore-Tex and what they did was so top quality. And why I said it's a shameless plug, because you're like, wait, you're not sponsored by them. So it's a shameless plug because I still own a dry suit that's like a medium large, brand new. It's a thousand dollar dry suit with wow. the tags on it. If anyone out there listening wants it, hit me up on social media somewhere. I will sell it to you way, way cheap. Probably like, you know, 
The bidding will start at one hundred dollars. One hundred dollars. Can I get yeah, right. yeah, it's, it's the right time of year to sell. Yeah. It. Totally. Yeah, but they do make good stuff. So if anybody out there would cool. need something to keep them warm and dry, I think the key to this actually is having the footies. The, you know what I mean? Like having the footies because you get warm socks and the footies, and obviously there's no rips. You'll stay warm and dry, but the second those feet get exposed and the socks get wet, and you're then the weather's cold. Obviously, you're done, man. You're done. Mm -hmm. It's over. Well, there you go. Well, you won, so it all worked out. And yeah. New gear with that money, so good deal. And you secured your spot. That was your spot for uh, the Classic, right? Was it for this year or next year? I don't even know. Not Definitely not. Is the Classic the one in Texas? Yeah. yeah. I, I know it's not that one. Uh, I don't even know. I could be wrong, but I don't know. I don't know if that scares me for a Classic spot or not. I'm, not yeah. sure. See, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I'd have to check with Steve. But I know they ran like we did ours middle of the year. Georgia did ours and theirs in October. I'm pretty sure that was y'all's event for that. Wait, like a state classic? No. Yeah, it was, well, it was a state qualifier. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Again, I'm Texas. just going to defer to Steve. I don't even yeah. know. Like our <laughs> Jimmy and his Alabama qualifier in Gunnersville, the top five people went to the classic who won that. Okay. But that was a, yeah, that was a championship. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, if I'm qualified, I'll, I'm sure I'll go. So. We we right. haven't had Steve on in like you know a month. We'll get him on. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> you'll qualify no matter what eventually, even if it wasn't with that one. So it'll work yeah. out. I was just stoked to win, man. I can't I couldn't believe that uh, Smallmouth didn't win that one. You know, and yeah. I think everyone was a little surprised to see Straight Large Mouth. And a little, a little secret, me and Steve went and checked on him yesterday. They're all there. We. We smashed them yesterday. They're all there. I think they're going to be there all winter. So we'll wow. see. Like, yeah. We we had him on just talking about some of the dugout stuff. And he said that you took him out and got back on your fish. And he was like, yeah, it was a little secret way he was catching them. And me and Daniel were both like long line and cranks. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't Del much Hollow, to it. Del Hollow is still super low like it was when we were there. Just like yeah, that. and I don't think it's going to change until we get spring rains. I think it's going to stay at a, it's a negative 14, negative 13, negative 14. But that's standard for right now. That's that's its fluctuation. Um, but, yeah, wow. it's still low, still low right now. And uh won't come up till we get some of those rains, but usually they bring it up in a hurry. Well, there you go. If you need a guide trip, Adam's on them. On them. On There's your nickname, on them, Adam. Hey, Adam, quick question, buddy, since you're on those fish. And they're they're main lake sort of fish. It seems like a wintering hole. How many fish do you think are down there in that spot right now? I know may, more may congregate, but how many fish do you think are actually there? Uh, due to where it is, I think most of them are already down there. Um, is this a school of like twenty five, or is this a school? No, of like no, no. This is fifty 100. to hundred. Fifty to hundred um, minimum. I, I could I could believe that. I wasn't marking a, a handful of them. It's it's a it's a river ledge it's, again, super typical like summer offshore fishing type of spot. Um, and there there's just like a group of six, and then you go down the ledge a little bit. Then another group of six down the ledge, another little group of six. And there's bluegill, there's grass, there's brush piles. Uh, I caught my PB walleye during the tournament off of that spot. So all the life. Minus the smallmouth, because I haven't got one smallmouth, and that's a lake where they are happy to mix together. Um, but everything except for smallmouth seems to be down in there right now. So it's it's 
it's one of those spots where even as much as I fish, you only find stuff like this, like every, once every few years, I feel like this is a special thing. So uh, I, I'm probably gonna have to pay people not to talk about it or something at some point, because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty cool stuff. And I've got another spot, another uh, creek on that lake that has an identical looking spot where I've got all these fish. And so that's where I'm going to go check out next to see if they're there. Cause it is identical looking, but I've never been there never scanned it. So I'm very curious to see maybe even, I don't know what I got going on this weekend, but sometimes my curiosity and lack of responsibility gets the best of me. And next thing you know, I'm out there skiing around in Del hollow. So we'll see. All right. Well, let's get to it. So uh, first I want to say, um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about some rules. We'll talk about that first, but I, I want to just tell everybody to go listen to if you don't already, you're crazy if you don't, but listen to Drew's book on Wild Waters podcast. He just had a show with Jody Queen, Jody Queen recently. Everybody knows Jody, and they talked about a lot of rules, issues, and I, man, I, I thought that was a really great show. And you had another show about panoptics and how you think it can change a sport. And hearing you saying, oh, I'm going to go from the, that shallow water out deep and go panoptics. So what? I'm like, don't do it, Drew. <laughs> You're too good at what you're doing. Don't change now. How do you know? I'm not just just playing coy, man. You just don't ever know. How do you know? <laughs> you got to be able to zig and zag. You know, if they yeah. blown out, you, you know, you got to be able to do beavers. I don't know. Drew yeah. just makes it work. Like, yeah. I need lessons on how to fish skinny water right now because <laughs> it's just too cold, man. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I joke around about it and I put things out there and I am going to get a pan optics unit at some point because the writing's on the wall of you will need it at some point, whether or not it's this year or two years from now, it really hits the kayak yeah. world hardcore. I don't know if, if I had to guess, I bet you we're still uh, probably a year and a half to two years out before it really, really matters because the beauty of the kayak is it does get into the skinnier water too, which is the whole purpose of the kayak that's why i got a kayak i don't know about you adam but and, and you guys dan jimmy oh i agree I, I that's why i got it to get the places the bass boats can't get so those places are still always going to be kind of nice unpressured and you got to still find a sweet spot like adam found it's not like you just get back there it's unpressured and boom there's just fish everywhere just because bass boats don't get there but i, I think that having that is is and, and assuming you know no crazy rule changes happen where they for some reason, take the kayak out of kayak fishing, which I don't know why they would, you know, they, it's kind of nice to have a skinny water uh, dynamic and storyline, in my opinion, on each tournament, it's going to be skinny. Is it going to be, um, is it going to be like re like river and Creek skinny or, or mm -hmm. is it going to be one skinny, like uh Gunnersville or Chickamauga where skinny, where bass boats can't get through the grass mats and we can mm -hmm. skinny or the lakes in Texas, like Toledo Bend, Sam Raven or whatever, Caddo, all those, is it going to be, you know, even Lake Fork, there's a lot of places that, that I know Cody Milton, when he won over there, he was telling me, dude, I'm so skinny. I'm back there. So shallow bass boats couldn't even get there and touch those fish. Is it going to be one, you know, that, that kind of skinny, the river and Creek skinny or, uh, offshore. I feel like that's a cool dynamic we have in our sport. Every single tournament we can choose to do whatever. Mm -hmm. And it just shows and promotes and highlights how awesome the kayak is as a tool. It's definitely something I've heard that, you know, we've talked about it with, the local clubs and stuff. If, if a rule like that did come to play, like you said, it's going to take the kayak out of kayak fishing. I guarantee you, you would see a huge drop in, you know, participation for sure. Cause a lot of, a lot of your, just like you said, Cody and Adam and you and Russ and everybody, I mean, that's their, typically that's their go-to. So you take that out of it and I'm sure all of y'all could 
find success no matter where you go, but it just takes the fun out of it for me. You know, that I don't mind going and tangling with, with the boats and fishing high pressure area, but that's not why I got in a kayak, just like you said. Right. So. And we know how magical the, some of those backwaters can be and how, whether it's just one fun day or a good tournament day, like they can just be so special uh, that you, you always have to check them. You always got to, Gotta check that box just to make sure it's not happening. But yeah, I, I completely agree that that's one of the, the the cool things about our sport. We we get to uh, if, if you look hard enough, dip into a, a realm that maybe hasn't seen a human in a while. Therefore, those fish are more willing to bite. It's fun. Find yeah. a stupid fish. Yeah, no doubt. And, and talking about the electronics and pan optics, what's what I think is exciting, guys. Really, is you know a lot of people that maybe have a little bit of a of, a beef or frustration with any tournament get that gets one sort of remote and skinny and you had to work your butt off to get there. It, it's, I mean, honestly, usually it's just because they prefer to fish main lake stuff and stuff that's that, I mean, is a little easier physically and our sport is a physical sport. So, I mean, it's nice that, that both can compete, you know, equally well, mm-hmm. but to get to this panoptics thing, what I think is really exciting is the fact that it just gives those guys another, another tool, you know what I mean? Another way. But the cool thing is if I decide to change my mind one day and, and I have before I've, uh, I've mentioned this on some, some forums recently, like, you know, I got second place in the national championship fishing on a lake in 2019. I did not fish moving water. And then I fished a lake, uh, lo- main lake in Logan Martin got 16th out of the two fifty to, you know, to qualify me into that uh, classic over there in Lake Louisville. I mean, I could fish lakes too. I think you'll figure out, we'll figure out that people that know how to catch fish can fish, can catch them on the main yeah. lakes or the backwater. So if, if you're really one of those people that's got a beef about that, just wait till, you know, some of us that, that fish skinny, if that's what ever happened, get on the main lake. And now we're crowding more spots that the bass boats are on the kayak guys that already like to fish main lakes are on off. It's just going to even, it's going to get even worse, not fun. So, I, I mean, I just think that, uh, I don't know. That's just kind of my take on that. I think that it's just nice to have that level playing field and, and we can all choose and zig and zag. Like you said, Jimmy, whenever we need to make that move. And that's what, that's really what it comes down to is being able to decide when is this tactic or that tactic going to pr- produce a win? Cause they, you don't, can't always win. You can't always win skinny. That's, that's for sure. Uh, because what, what Adam just said, you don't find schools of a hundred fish in a little Creek. And if you show up and there's two other people there, nobody's winning. It's like the most your scary feeling in the morning when you show up. You, you're risking everything on that skinny water. And as these tournaments get bigger, more anglers are going to be in and more entries. It's going to get harder to win, I think, in that that skinny stuff, personally. But um, but you go with panoptics and find the offshore fish like Adam did, 100 fish. Brother, you can you can compete against bass boats, kayakers, anybody win right there. Or at least be in the mind. Be, yeah. be consistent. In contention, right. Mm-hmm. So it – so – because it's so new and there's only a few people that are even running panoptics. Maybe Christine has it now. I know Jake Harshman, a few, a few people have it, but there's no need for us to right now to try to set any, any regulation based on, you know, that's too much or anything. Cause I, I, yeah. people are having that conversation in the bass boat world to where maybe they should limit to this, uh, like inches of screens they can have or whatever else, because it, it is playing that big of a, a role in winning, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of that probably goes back to uh, like Jacob Wheeler's setup this year and the success he's had, you know, running, he was running all three companies or uh, there's more than three companies, but he was running uh, Garmin, Lawrence and 
hummingbird all at once. Yeah. I mean, if it had a high end system, he had it on the deck and yeah. he had a lot of success this year. And there's a whole lot of controversy with that. And I don't really care to get into it because he's in a boat. So, but yeah. something, I, something. I drew. <laughs> yeah. That, that upset me. Kind of hard to do three on kayak, isn't it? Yeah. Cody's getting close. Yeah. Dude, I've seen, I've seen a dude, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name at the moment, but uh, my homie up in uh, Kentucky, um, God, I hate that I'm blanking on his name. He was running Hummingbird and Lawrence at the same time for Kentucky Lake Ledges. Really? Uh, for a few years there, yeah. And then he won a BFL out of a boat like a year later or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a few guys doing it. I'm thinking about doing like, I'm running Hummingbird right now. I'm thinking about doing like two different panels, one panel just for uh map and then the other one for sonar stuff i don't know if that is the better way to go or just a big giant screen for yeah, that, that makes more sense to me is to have two smaller screens than to have one giant one like I, I saw somebody even if you only had the little like a striker i know that's dumb yeah. but like, just the fish finder that's one thing you're getting off the screen like that too yeah. I, i've seen a couple of people do that and that to me makes sense because it's a low budget option to add more screen space i could i definitely see the advantage because there's times that i just want to run side scan but oh. i would love i like to have all nine inches of the screen for side scan yep. but i do wish i had like a little four inch screen just running chirp just so i could catch the hooks if i'm missing yep. them on on the side scan but yep. something something drew said you know leads me into a question i had um you talking about you know more people coming into it and if they change that rule you know, more crowded, more pressure, et cetera. What are your thoughts on how, how tournament participation is going to be, if it's going to affect in a positive or negative way, the potential we're going to see for way more participation next year. You know, we've got the, the kayak market went crazy this year. Tons of people will get the first itch and fish locals. Some people will go all in and fish national. So however you want to talk about that, just either one of you want to start. Okay, yeah, if you want, yeah. Drew. Yeah, I'll go for it. I think it's going to obviously it's going to only increase. Let's let's just ask everyone out there listening to this and you guys a question. Uh, is it, have you ever even considered going and fishing another way once you got into kayak fishing? Like you enjoy kayak fishing, we all got into it. I'm sure the answer is no, right? Like you just don't have a yeah. desire. You yeah. get hooked on this thing, man. And so okay. imagine more people are getting into it. You're not going back. We're only getting more people, you know, into it. So it's going to grow um, the participation numbers in tournaments, you know, equally. And as we all know, that the fishing industry kayaks, they all had a, a kind of a record banner year in sales because if, if a dealer had a kayak, they could sell it. It's just yeah. getting the supply was was difficult. So COVID helped that. It can't help it trickle down in tournament entries. They're going to go up. The more they go up, the it, it's more important that we certainly, I think, in my opinion, we keep uh, you know keep as much uh, access points available to all the anglers because we can only get so far. Uh, even in, you know, BASS and KBF tournaments where there's motors, you can still only get so far from a landing away from people. And, and, and in Hobie's obviously even more so, right. You know, cause there's just a pedal and uh, paddle only. So I just feel like that's just important. We just keep the kayak and kayak and let people access at public access points and find you know, it's kind of like when Jacob Wheeler or someone, you know, good offshore fisherman, Adam Riser, let's, let's use this guy as an example. He's sitting right here in front of us. Uh, he found that spot, man. Like it was really hard to do it. He found it offshore and 
the same skill set he used is should be appreciated when someone finds it's it's a skill set to find a cool tucked away access that's legal a little bit closer to some it doesn't even have to be a skinny water access i'm just talking about even an access on a lake that can get you closer to a main lake spot i mean that is a skill in itself and that's yep. the fun and the joy i don't know about you guys before you go fish the tournament the most exciting thing to me is the is the map study the second i see the schedule the scouting it's so fun if you put it limited the access points to these certain ones and you know you really can't get to so many miles of the lake so many places it's just gonna it's just gonna be like womp womp like the whole thing just like whatever dude like, and, and e even more so yeah. if if we have if we have tournaments breaking the you know 250 mark plus more often you know just it's gonna become just a giant cluster of headache you're gonna have people aggravated yeah. there's gonna be all sorts of arguments and it'll just turn like kayak kayak fishing seems so pure and i mean there's all sorts of drama that goes on in anything but like for the most part like kayak fishing is where you go to kind of avoid all of that. Yeah. So it just something that the people running the trail should take note that either, you know, leave the rules along or rethink, you know, what, what is coming at the same time with this question. And Adam, we'll let you get into it. Do you think more trails, you know, you got local trails and like Midwest trails coming out, you know, paddle and fin has a trail. Do you think that's a good, a good or bad thing to have all the options? I think it's good. I think there's only going to be growth. I think after this year with, uh, with COVID and we, everyone saw how busy the lakes and the, the rivers were. Everyone was in a kayak. Even the people that had never been in one have no idea. So I feel like a lot of plastic boats were purchased or acquired this year and people probably had a good time out there. And then I think they're going to, uh, you're going to have a lot of fishermen, a lot of anglers that want to give it a go in the in the tournament um, aspect of things next year. I would only guess because I'm very far removed from like industry numbers and demographics and stuff. So I'm purely speculating. Um, but I got to think the grassroots level stuff really grows next year. Oh, yeah. um, club stuff. I would hope it does because I think that's really important. I think uh, uh, entry level, um, keeping it simple uh least intimidation as possible is really important for people yeah. to i want to come in it's very easy to uh pull up at a boat ramp and see a guy with a fully decked out kayak and trailer and all the bells and whistles and then you've just got a little you know entry level cheapy thing like and then you're like man what am i even doing out here i, I don't like that i i like that uh we're in a sport where um all you got to do is have a hook on the end of your line and like you can outfish someone and that, that's the, the truth of it so the growth of it, it's surely going to grow. Um, and as far as those other trails being a good thing, I don't know why it's not unless, unless there's someone just losing money out of it and, and their life is <laughs> deteriorating. Other than that, I think it's just more opportunities for people to get involved and, and do this. And like Drew mentioned, this seems to be something where if people give it a shot. They, they're pretty into it. They dig yeah, it, yeah. especially on like catching bass out of a kayak. Like, pretty darn fun and i don't know many people that go you know what i tried it wasn't for me and <laughs> they move on most guys yeah. like want to just go out and do it more so and most of the people I, I would you think find, it's all good yeah most of the people you find that have had that attitude about it too if you get them in a different boat you usually can yeah. it like change their mind on it you i've no yeah. one i've ever talked to has ever just completely thrown it away it's maybe they had a bad experience and you you know you know, a 60 year old, 300 pound man in a Pelican. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
an injury take, or ran out of time or something. And that's yeah, about take, the only, you know. take this boat, try it again. And then they're, Oh, okay. I just got to spend a little more money, you know, that, but no, I, yeah. I feel you on that. I, it, it, yeah. I, I, I see the, the room for, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like national level trails were pretty, were pretty full, pretty saturated. Maybe there's room for, and maybe we're not there yet either, but like a upper, upper level invitation only pro pro tour kind of trail. And then maybe more regional, more like single entry tournaments, like, um, like not to plug it, but Paddle and Finn, we're having a, a Dale Hollow tournament where it's a big open and people can come. So that's a standalone big mm -hmm. tournament. Like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of trails, Right, not like big single events. I, I could see some growth coming there, and that pro tour, big money side. I, I could see both those opening. Besides the exhibition stuff, like Five Live, Scott Butcher's doing that. I know it's coming back this year. Um, yeah. You know, so those are the where I see growth. But maybe there's, you know, maybe you also, you too. know, we've even got like the Bass Nation stuff, the state level stuff. Yeah. So you're, we're we're like flooding the in the kayak fishing tournament scene with options for different levels grassroots yeah. maybe like the state elites people that want to travel kind of midwestern like this year the first paddle and fin trail season is mostly midwestern minus del hollow you know that'll probably change yeah. but then you got your national and then i do think that it's getting close like dan said i think i think it's close to being an invitation style pro level we got it. Yeah, we're getting there. I think we have enough characters, you know what I mean? That could, yeah, guys that can really catch fish and they can really uh, entertain too. It's not yeah. just, I mean, not just they can catch fish. And that, that's important on that elite national thing like we're talking about because invitation only because you would have to assume when you say that it's going to be, you know, produced on television somewhere or live and, you know, really well done and with, you know, in another level we haven't seen like Bassmaster elite live and, yeah. and major league fishing live. So in those situations, you need characters, you need people that can talk and fish preferably, you know? And I'll tell you, it's blown my mind since I started doing the podcast, you would think, you know, a lot of, you know, we're not professional anglers. I mean, you and Adam are, but the fact that I haven't seen too many bad interviews from guys when they win top 10 guys, most of the guys know how to talk, know how to keep a conversation going. Mm -hmm. They're not slouching around. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just called them, you know, every now and then. But it, mm -hmm. it kind of blows my mind, you know, growing up fishing and talking to a bunch of like old rednecks at the ramp. I would never have you on TV if you won money, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I definitely, like you said, I think we have the character for it, you know, yeah. kayak fishing in general. Absolutely. It, and I'll touch on this one last thing I just thought of, too, because – I hate to keep harping on this, but it, it matters to your question about you get fields of more people like we're talking about. And I, and obviously you got to have, uh, you got to keep those, those waters, like those hard to reach access points, I should say, not waters necessarily in balance because we're also struggling with the, um, the bass boat world's impression of us. You know what I mean? Are they, are they trying to look at us and they're saying, are they just trying to copy exactly what we're doing, but in plastic boats? Yeah. No, we, we should be doing the opposite because they've already, they already have done that and they have the best tool, quite frankly, for a lot of those waters. We should be, uh, and I said this before, I think on my podcast, but I've listened, there was a, a podcast called, I think it's called the uh, business of fishing podcast. If you've never uh, yes. listened to it, there's some good ones. Mm -hmm. And there was one by the uh, founder of, of hook, gear right 
So I don't know if Riser was talking about that. That was the the rain suit that messed up on him, but whatever. It's a big brand. It was not. There. Okay, it was not. Okay, not Hook. Okay, but it was. It's a big brand out there. We all know Hook, right? And he said something that I've never put it quite. I, I've always known this. Um, I, so my master's degree is in sports management. And I want to be a sports agent. And I'm kind of like, I like following the business side of this. Yeah, uh, of this world, right? I love it. That's why you guys see me get so involved in talking about doing rankings and I did the fantasy and all this. But anyway, he said something I've never quite put into the good phrasing. He just said, look, the way that let's say North Face or Mount Hardware, any of these brands have grown and, and hook, you got to target a niche. You got to be different and whatever makes you different, you go 10 times harder in that direction. You go hard as you can go that direction because you'll stand out. And everyone knows I'm river bassing guy and wild waters guy. That's what they know. Because I've always kind of known to like do that. Like I'm going to stand out, and and that's what those brands did, and they got popular in the you know I'm saying North Face and Mount Harbor. They got popular Yeti, let's say, in the college spaces that they kind of pushed their niche, mm -hmm. and then you can grow from there because everyone knows. Oh wow, that's you know, that's what I think we need to do. And my point with that is, we've got to highlight what makes us unique even more. So I'm saying. Since a kayak can get put in anywhere, why not have some tournaments on a lot of these main lakes that these bass boat guys don't even go to in these big tournaments? Lakes you've never even heard of before because they're not going there because they're too small or maybe, but, but it's probably good for us potentially, you know, or a river system or there's a couple lakes nearby and people could choose. There's things that we can do because here's the key for these tournament trails. They need money to survive. If you need money, you got to go places that have it. Places that have it are places mm -hmm. that aren't tapped out from giving money to the bass boat trails in the bass boat world. Guess what they're going to say? Oh, thank God. Those kayaks are, are utilizing all these other, so many reservoirs, so many reservoirs and resources that we don't even go to anyway. Oh, thank God they're doing their own thing and they're unique. They're still keeping access open to all the different places the kayak can access. Because when I ran into Fred room Banis on Lake Dardanelle, and I came down a Creek into that main lake pre-fishing one day, that's what he was saying. He's like, my God, you guys are everywhere. He was like, I'm so frustrated at seeing kayaks. He's like, I mean, I love it. It's because he makes his living fishing. So it's good for, but dude, these fish are getting so pressured. You're going to need panopsics soon enough to, to catch anything. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so like, diatribe over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, what you're talking about, too, is something that I thought when MLF first was established the way they did, where they would take a group of anglers in one of the cup events to a place you've never heard of that might be hundred acres, 200 acres that have 10 boats to go out on it. And a lot of the time, if you watch the camera footage, I mean, they're within eyesight of each other. And then I would look, I'd hear the name and be like, I don't know where that is. And you'd look it up on map and it'd be, mm -hmm. you know, you'd never notice it any other time if they'd never talked about it. I definitely agree with you that I think it'd be cool if we started seeing, even if it's just one of the national trails do that. Yeah. I mean, dude, look at the headwaters of Fellsmere, you know, the, the St. John's river, the headwaters, there it gets it comes out of Fellsmere, and there's like you know there's big fish in all of it, and there's so many different lakes and pools you get around to Astorfort, so many places that I think they've got a Palatka. The Bass Elite Series goes to Palatka. No one ever gets nearly that far down. My God, cool yeah. places like that. The the and it was off limits in the last KBM uh, KBF tournament. Like you couldn't go past Astor, which is like I love the lower portion Dexter and all that uh, South. Yeah. St. John's and they cut that off. I was like, well, it's the best part of the St. John's for yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I know you're right. I mean, dude, there's just so many reservoirs across this country and I promise you, cause I ran a tournament trail for 10 years. You go to those tourist departments, 
And I ran the River Madison Tournament Trail. So I went to them and I said, look, I can highlight your incredible resources. They have a ton of value and they're all excited about them. They just don't have a way to promote them and market them. And I gave them a way to market them. And the cool thing kayak tournaments can say, even to the lakes that, that get give money to bass boat tournaments coming, you, we can say something they can't right now. Yeah. Hey, we can market your rivers and your creeks and your backwater places. We can get and all the sponsors for folks like myself and Adam, we can get our sponsors marketing material of photos in these very rare, remote, obscure places where the kayak excels rather than be sitting in the middle of, you know, Lake St. Clair. I mean, yeah, it's fun. It's cool. You can use a kayak for that, but it's not helping promote and sell our products. And the other thing, I'm getting riled up here, guys. The other thing I was thinking about, yeah. a kid that's a kid right now that's got, I didn't come with from a lot of money. My dad was a pastor, you yeah. know, Georgia. I'm sure a lot of guys that, that get into kayak fishing, maybe they didn't, you, didn't have a lot of money either. We had a 14 foot John boat. We turned it into a bass boat. It was really cool. We waded rivers and creeks, uh, stones river there, Murfreesboro. Adam is where I cut my teeth waiting and where I got hooked on finding little crawfish lizards and helgramites or whatever, catching smallmouth. But there are kids out there right now. If we start limiting where the kayak can go, we take the kayak out of kayak fishing. Guess what, man, these kids that don't have the money to afford the $5,000 or $10,000 worth of electronics, which is what it's going to be on each kayak which is what you're going to need to win tournaments when all that goes away. And it's just going to put more people out. So yeah. anyway, but the paddle and fin trail, by the way, um, I wanted to say great schedule. Love it. And if I can sneak one of those in, I'm going to try to do it, but there's so many good national ones. It's hard to, I mean, you guys yeah. are kind of national mid regional, but that schedule is awesome. That speaks to kind of what I was talking about. I looked at it. Like Winnebago, the multi. It's unique. Yeah. yeah, it's unique. And it, it highlights the kayak and. But anyway. Shout out to Brian and Susie and Matt and all those that came up with that. They they definitely are like-minded people and really put their heads together on it. And they put a lot of work into it so far. But if you could, you know, sneak down to Del Hollow and what is that? I think it's March. Mm -hmm. we, I'll be down there. We'll go follow Adam around. Yeah, yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you guys doing live stuff for that too? Like uh, broadcasting it or yeah. following it? I mean, that's oh, really cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Adam's like not cool. They're not going videotape where I'm at. Oh, I will not. <laughs> March is that just, one? What's the date for that Del Hall one? I think it's late March. I don't have it here in front of me. There you go. Wow. I think Oh, April. April. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh! No, any everyone's going to be able to catch some shallow all yeah. straight up. The that's guy about, that's about the best time to be there. Straight up. Yeah, the the resort guy said that was the time, and that's when they planned it. So. Yeah. So to kind of go into another rule, if out of all the different trails that y'all fish this year, if there was one rule, because there's so many that you want to change, if there's one rule that you could have adopted, that one trail does that you could have adopted by the other ones, what would it be? I'll, I'll say mine. It was time. Like, like the Hobie where you can start a half an hour before and you have an hour to upload your photos like that. That should be like... To me, that's the deal. I, I love that, and I wish every trail had that. Is is there one that you can think of that you'd like them all to adopt? That that same rule is the one that I know between me and my friends. We immediately go, yeah. The having the time after uh, lines are out to either get back to your truck and off the water, and then from your truck to the in person check in. Even though this year was minimal on in person stuff. I can't tell you how many times I've been driving down a, a sketchy one and a half lane road, trying to on my phone, trying to submit my attorney X fish, 
Like, am I going to make it back to check in on time? Cause you're trying to make the best of your time on the water. So like way too many sketchy drives back because of that deadline. So just being considered that, I mean, I've, I've had tournament directors this year reach out to me and, and ask like what we're, uh, when they're setting up a tournament, like, what should we do? How much time does it take to get to reception? And then you drive and all this. So I, I, I do think that's going to be more of a thing of the past, but that's a standout to me. Just be, scheduling your photo submission lines out and check in to where it's in the benefit of the anglers. And I'd much rather have a later check-in and my day be a little bit longer if it means everyone's safe and getting there and doesn't stress out on, on the way. So I, and after that, I, I really can't think of a, a rule that I was like, uh, you know, on the fence about. Maybe you guys will remind me one if you got any other ideas, but I don't know. I don't know of one. How about y'all? I know, Drew, you had some strong yeah. opinions about the about, you know, your yeah. idea for having a radius where you can only go or this is the furthest launch that you could do. Is there um, I mean, you had so many great ideas on your show. Yeah, right? yeah I mean, that's a good one. It's, you know. KBF utilizes it now. I pitched it to them and said, look, this is actually going to save you guys. I mean, so, from any headaches you've ever had for confusion where from people uh, when they do fish in those uh, up, you know, rivers and creeks or whatever. Um, well, mainly for rivers, basically it just says, Hey, this is the last river bass on access. And you got to keep in mind, this is like, if there's a free flowing river going into a, the lake, that's the tournament name lake, right? So let's say a lot of, a lot of uh, like right there, the like Kusa and that old chain, a lot of times you, you go up the main Kusa and you hit another dam, right? Or that happens all over the country. You're going to hit another dam. Uh, maybe you go up a creek and you hit a dam, a spillway dam. Well, that's obviously a, the boundary because there's a different ecosystem up there. But what this rule does is, let's say it's a, there's a free flowing river and it just keeps on going. Like out of Lake Seminole, for example, um, Flint river is just flip free flowing all the way up to, um, uh, pretty long ways up to, well, it's not true. There's Lake Blackshear and there's other lakes up there in, in Albany, but it's a long ways to get there. And then it's a long way ab above those to the Atlanta airport where it starts. But let's just, it basically just makes a standard rule. It says, you know, you can go over four miles. Airports, by the way. Yeah, like, right, it's all the way to drain. <laughs> I'm in. I'm dropping it down the sewer like you've seen those people do. Uh, he's doing I can in the city, but uh, basically, just it just makes it a standard across all uh, of your tournaments where you don't have to say like, oh, this tournament. Let's say um, back in the day, this is the way it was. This tournament, there was a, there was either no boundary, so people just went as far as these creeks and free flowing rivers went, which is fine. I still think that's fine because bass boats, you don't. I mean, yeah, there's boundaries in some tournaments, but for example, um, Winona Bay or Sabine River, like the, the Bass Elite guys are going through this year, they could run out uh, into the ocean and back up Galveston. They could run out of the Winona Bay all the way up to the Cooper River in Charleston, wherever they want to go. And that's the mm -hmm. the fun and the beauty of it. That That's that's actually what makes it those tournaments exciting to watch. It's the storyline. Is it going to pay off? He's going to have two hours of fish when he gets there. Holy cow. Is this going to work? Uh, and it didn't. It doesn't always work. It didn't. Stetson Blaylock won Winona Bay by going right around the corner and fishing yeah. a little area. So it doesn't always work, but it's a cool storyline because it almost worked. And so it's a standard because here's the thing that you'll notice. If you make a cutoff if back in the day and how some trails do it now, so let's say you make a cutoff at a certain bridge on a river and it's you know five miles up upstream from the lake. And I'm saying five miles from where 
the, the lake become the river becomes lake, which is where the first oxbows blow out. You can see it on the satellite. It's not that hard to kind of determine where you start your measurement up. So from there you go five miles. Well, then the next term, you got a boundary that's randomly at 30 miles. The guy that's locally that, that, uh, fished the other one. He, I don't think you guys realize this. I was a tournament director. So I know this. And even if you didn't, even if tournament directors don't get calls about it, there's moaning and complaining and bitching for the real word is what it is. You hear people frustrated and complaining about it because, Hey, that's not fair. That lake, that, that tournament, they got to go 30 miles up the river and we only got to go five. And I have this awesome spot that I know some fish are that it's seven miles up. So to save the tournament directors from having to deal with the headaches of people whining and complaining, just make a standard. So yeah. I told, I told KBF, I said, just make a standard, make it 30 miles or 40 miles. And we actually did it where there's three different lake sizes, small, medium, and large. It goes by acreage. We don't have to get into the whole thing here, but basically it's, it's 20, 30 and 40 miles. So it actually goes by, by, I think, uh, shoreline miles, because if, uh, Lake, uh, Wachita has 700, 800 shoreline miles in the lake, my God, is it too, you know, is it too much to ask that the river guys get 40, just 40 miles when the whole lake's got 700, because then it, it you know, gives them a shot. Um, so anyway, that was it just creating a standard for that because people just moan and complain. And, and I think it just, it just saves you the, the hassle having to deal with those people that moan and complain. And it does make it fair. You can always turn to them and say, oh, you know, if, if they had a question, you know, why did you make the, uh, the last river bass and access at this location? You, you as a tournament director can turn sure. and say, well, Hey, Hey, John Smith, if you look at our rules, we have a, a standard. We always go up 30 miles at every event. So that's why we chose that access point. And then they, they don't have anything. To, there's no comeback. It's the same. There's no comeback. So, Anyway. It's, it's consistent. It's not an arbitrary number. No. It's a standard everybody can go by. It's easier for the angler, easier for the tournament director. That makes total sense to me. And honestly, dude, the other thing it, it makes it easy for them, they don't have to um, make some big, big, big map. It's not complicated. It's easy because in the second the tournaments are announced, we already can start scouting and pre-fishing because we know the standard. We know it's 30 miles. We know approximately we can, even if, they don't have their map yet with the exact river bass and access. We can kind of already know, you know, we can measure up and kind of know where it's going to be. Anyway, that's kind of one I'd love to see all of them adopt. And I think that, that to kind of go along with that rule is using the Onyx app or any app that's like Onyx, which pulls the, the county GIS maps, you know, into the app. You have it on your phone because the problem is the tournament directors still need a way to say it, it's too hard for them to dig into all the, county GIS maps, but this app has them all there, right? So it, it basically shows you what's public and what's private land. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to see. So if that's our standard we're all looking at, then it's easy for a tournament director to say, well, hey, that was a standard. Again, John Smith, you where did you launch? Because you do get asked that question. Adam, you know that you get asked all the time, where did you launch? And tournament directors do it, obviously, to make sure we keep everything honest and everything's on the up and up and someone gets disqualified if they access that a private launch mm -hmm. well this is the standard we can all turn to and say well let's look at it i launched right here they can see like oh okay yeah that's cool good find you know that's public it's awesome and then it's case closed you know so i, I think more people would be on board with that if they just knew about it i, I yeah. don't think a lot of people know that that uh access to that public private thing exists i only heard a little bit about that this year and i still haven't on my own like gone and looked at it um yeah but it makes sense to me yeah and you can still, it costs a hundred bucks and you can have the whole, uh, oh, okay. the whole country, but, or you can do just one state for like maybe 10 bucks or something, okay. but you also don't have to use it at all. 
you can everyone if they're fishing just one tournament or a few they can go to county gis maps for each county and it's the same you know you can click on the plot see who owns it whatever how much it's worth mm -hmm. blah 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 and if it's public or private so it doesn't doesn't like price somebody out but i think at these elite levels we need a standard for everything and you know dan and jimmy you know i know you guys uh love having me on with these rules <laughs> kind of no, I mean, because but I, but I mean I, I just I was a tournament not just a tournament director but I ran sports leagues and tur tournaments for college students before I got into fishing full-time I was the uh, director of campus recreation for Lander University and assistant director at North Georgia University in, in Dahlonega there so I, I have to think like a cheater man honestly that's when because because kids in those universities they'll cheat any way they can and they'll bend the rules and fishermen quite frankly it's a compliment when when you find a loophole in the rule, you have to take advantage of it because other somebody else will if you don't. Yeah. And Roland, Roland Martin is known for, yeah, he Roland Martin's known for creating. I was listening to the the reason why I bring him up. I was listening to Ike Live podcast the other day where he uh, had Roland Martin on, and he went over all the rules that were created because of stuff he did, jet boats and chainsaws, helicopters, yeah. planes, and, yeah. And and kudos to them. Yeah, it cool. wasn't it wasn't illegal. I mean, if they want to make the rules afterwards, cool. But um, it wasn't illegal, so you got to think like that beforehand. And how can I nip it in the bud and not have to deal with it, or have a standard that I can go back to and everyone knows like this is our guidebook. This is our the biblical the scripture. This is the this is the way it is, man. This is the law. We're laying it down on on that, and then it's good for all the English because there's no confusion in gray area. Um, you know at all i was really concerned with that toc by the way um i know you were there adam we we pre-fished one day on the river uh together mm. with a whole uh flotilla going down the river yeah. but <laughs> it's a lot of fun guillermo christine matt ball who else there jody russ it was like oh we all show up yeah. at the same, same ramp same day i was very concerned that that there's a couple places on that river that are that the road goes right by the, yes. the river saying the french broad and you would and there's a little pull off and you yep. can slide your kayak in and my god it looks like the most public access book and yep. they, these places are all over the country guys they are they look like they're public but they're not and people use them like they're public and the, and whoever owns them doesn't even care and that's yep. that's cool for recreational fishing but in a tournament technically that's illegal and i was so concerned on my day floating down that river um there was a spot like that and i was so concerned that not that somebody would be putting in there in front of me and it and they would go hit some of the spots downstream right. And they would have milked the fish before I got there. And I was so concerned that was going to happen. And that can never get, you could disqualify that guy, but what about the fish that I could have caught or you exactly. know, maybe not. But if we had that standard, they would have known, Oh, I need to go check Onyx. Oh, wow. That's, that's illegal. It's not public. You see what I'm saying? So it, there's more to it than, than just this surface level. What, you know, there's, it's. Uh, and, and that's absolutely why we had you on because uh, because everything that you just said is the best explanation for anything of having cut off, having boundaries explanation I've heard or read anywhere anyone has. So, so don't, you know, because that's yeah. <laughs> what people need to hear that. That is the best answer I've heard from anybody. So you're I've adopting heard. that paddling fins, adopting that in your uh, rules and your trail. <laughs> well, I'm not running it, but I'll say, yeah. I'll have Brian and Susie listen to this and they'll get on it. Well, it's only going to save your tournament trail directors from a lot of headaches. So it's, yeah. it's good for everybody, which is, which is a win. Cause in my opinion, the, the way that we grow kayak fishing too is, uh, is we catch 
every, like bigger and more fish. That's, that's the star. The star of this whole thing is not even the anglers. It's the fish. People want to see the fish. They want to see the photos. They want to see the videos. Yeah, we catch them, but they just want to see the fish, man. That's why bass has the, you know, the weigh-ins. If we're limiting the rules, it limits the kayak. It makes it harder for the anglers to, you know, limiting us to five launches and we're all kind of on top of each other. You're not going to catch as many fish. You're not going to catch the big fish. This whole thing crumbles. This whole thing falls apart and we're not going to get to where we want to get to eventually and show why the sport is so freaking cool, man. And why we're just so passionate about it. So if the kind of leaving rules, if, if the big change last year was BASS, them coming on scene, and, and that was huge. Is there something coming for 2021 or down the road that that maybe we don't know about? That Not that y'all do, but anything that you expect to happen that hasn't happened or something that you kind of see in the horizon that maybe other people don't? It's, it's got to be the li live from the kayak, right? Like that's the yeah. next big goal is chasing that down is like how do we get the live feed in real time of mm -hmm. that that guy in the tournament on the water that's that's got to be the, the the next thing easier said than done and uh, mm -hmm. but it's it's being you know the i'm sure there's a lot of consulting that can be done with the, the big boat world right now because they go to these same fisheries and deal with the same reception issues and know which ones are mm -hmm. uh, better for it or not and you know they're kind of uh, uh, trying everything out before the kayak community really has to, but I, that's got to be the next thing, right? We obviously can't have a camera guy on the boat, so we got to have like a good, reliable live feed, I think. Um, and then, uh, like tournament wise, as far as creating something, I've like just talking to some of the uh tournament directors in the industry, they are all spitballing and considering like multiple different tiers and. Uh, how to do it. So there's definitely no shortage of like, you know, considering what, what the next thing is going to be for any level of kayak angler. I'm glad I don't have to uh, consider all it because it's a lot, man. It's a lot of work. I'm glad I just got to worry about catching fish. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit it right, right on the head. I think Adam, I, I think the next thing is live. And then to kind of piggyback on that, we've already talked about it. It's got to be, you know, you just branch off the, you know, 50 people to an elite series, yeah. maybe 50 people and 50 people. I say 50 because it's gotta be a small number that, um, yeah. where people start to remember everyone's names and get to know the characters. If it's like 200 people, you're never going to, you know, you're going to know some of the people that stay at the top all the time, but you need a smaller, um, NBA and NFL and all these sports leagues are really good at promoting their stars. You need to see this clash of these people that are kind of head, head all the time. Oh, you know, it's, Brady versus Breeze, you know, you need these like matchups, right? So 50 people would be good. And if you have 50 and then you have a tournament where it cuts to um, kind of like they do. I mean, obviously now the cuts of the top 10, top 12 bass at one point had the super six and stuff like that. Maybe it's super six is better for us, but you have a two, three, I think an elite series of kayak fishing should be three day tournament. First two days, everybody fishes third day only the top whatever i would say to keep it easy on the production crews because it will be challenging to get to some of these places um you you go to the top like 10 or six something like that maybe five six people 10 you got a gopro in everyone's boat it's all running for um for them to use but whether or not it's live you know right off the bat with us it's it's kind of challenging but um but you could at least have a gopro going and they could put together 
and post. a nice little post. Yeah. I mean, you can have a separate cameraman following these guys too, obviously, yeah. but then a GoPro, if you got a GoPro, like two GoPros going and be even better front and back, you got two angles there. Yeah. You got another camera guy and you're only talking about 10 camera guys. If you follow 10 anglers or, mm-hmm. and not all of them have to have a, uh, being a tandem kayak or a, a bass boat, um, I mean, they can be done solo is what I'm saying. Like some guys can get out there with a torpedo and just solo film on the main mm-hmm. lake. Now, if you get to some other crazy wild places, it, it could be nice to have an, an extra person with a tandem kayak there so the camera can just focus. But most – I think there's enough good folks out there. You know, Chad Hoover always calls them you know unicorns that can paddle and go anywhere you can go as to fish and film. Now, that is a unicorn. There's not many, but I think there's enough. We could find them and hire them and – get it on tv and just oh, more so mainstream oh, then there's so much technology that's different now i mean you can the technology in drones alone is getting to where yeah. you can put that kind of quality camera and you can they can paddle in and you can follow them and you never have to try to go through you know yeah. up the shallow and you know chance wrecking your camera equipment etc mm-hmm. rolling the boat you just anchor offshore a little bit and send the drone after them and you can get yeah. I mean, look, look at all the best B-roll you've ever seen lately. It's all on a drone. You know, it, yep. it, mm-hmm. that's incredible. And there's something off of what you're saying. I definitely like that idea of, you know, like the top 50 elite idea. But put them somewhere, like you said, to highlight kayak fishing as much as you can. Put them somewhere that no one knows. You yeah. Know, like Bob's Lake around the corner, you know, something like that. It, it, at the same time, I can see where it's a risk because you don't know if you're going to get good footage. Like, is the big fish of that pole place going to be a 16 inch, you know, spot? You know, but but there's places know. that fit that right mold that you're talking about, though. And we but know maybe not, maybe not a whole lot of them that are ideal, but like there's definitely ones where like it's in our sports interest to definitely go that route and explore that the, mm-hmm. those little off the radar fisheries and lakes. For sure. There's so many of them, man. So many. I mean, it's insane. Like, look at, I mean, there's so many lakes uh, down. uh, I mean, if you, most of these lakes guys that they're they're getting money from are close to a fairly substantial population, most of them. Or they've just, or they're unicorns like a Gunnersville that just, that's. Lives off the basket. It's a mecca. Yeah, it lives exactly. So, I mean, if you look at a lake, I'm trying to think of an example, maybe a Lake Watery in it's the Catawba chain, you know, from Lake Norman and, and, uh, Lake, uh, Wiley down, uh, the, the watery, maybe that lake or something that's like that. It's not really close to, a, I mean, super big population Columbia and Charlotte are probably equal far away. There's probably a better lake. I could use an example of this, but you know, Lake Jocassi or something, you know, whatever it's not like really, but it's awesome for kayak. It'd be awesome for kayak fishing. And, um, you know, why, why aren't we there? Well, we don't need as much money. We're not putting it on TV yet. So our tournament trails, they don't need the amount of money that these larger you know, mm-hmm. cities are giving bass because they have so many pills to pay, so much overhead. We don't need that. So why aren't we taking advantage of these uh, small areas? Because those counties, I promise you, because I know from river bass and tournaments, we did it. They don't have, you know, 50 or hundred thousand dollars or crazy amounts to give you, but they will, they'll, they'll pony up, you know, 10 or 20 or, 25 because multiple yeah. counties can go in together too um, to pull in together. If there's a couple lakes close by, there may be like a few lakes you can choose from, then that's even better. And, and it'd be cool for the anglers. Cause they got to figure out, you know, which, which lakes, you know, to fish. At, at the same time, as our sport continues to grow, 
you know, and these bigger companies take notice and all this falls into place. Like you said, like we don't need as much money. You can go to places where maybe that, you know, tourism board can't put up much, but that's where you fall back on your sponsors, you know, like, Hey, Uh I need, you're here and we're doing good. I need you to fill this gap. Right. So it, it definitely, that could change. I mean, we could get to a level where, you know, the big, big, big money has to start coming in, but, I definitely think for the next few years, that's not the case. And so, sometimes make an investment in that, you know, that, you know, you show, you show the potential up front where they might have a little bit less money for that first tournament, but you build the relationship. And then every other year you go there again, the next, yeah. the next time they saw how well you did and how much mm-hmm. money it brings. And then they pony up more money. So, yeah. That's yeah. It. So if there's, if you have, these tournaments, there's a lot of them. Y'all are fishing them. Y'all are winning. How close are we now to like a pro, a PKA, a pro kayak angler? I know Drew. I mean, that's what you do. But I mean, like everybody has hustles too. It's like Christine's a rider, you know, yeah. you're designing kayaks. And I think everybody's excited for your new, your new Crescent line coming out this year. Like how close are we to? Yeah. Full- just tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as close as it can be, because even the guys who are pro or men and women who are pro pros on the big boat side, they're still, you know, I mean, they're, it seems like their social media, whether it's YouTube, no matter what it is, they have all these other hustles too. It's not like they're just tournament fishing all the time. You have to be that well-rounded person now. I think as long as the, as long as we can get some normalcy in 2021 um, and that, we can get some good media coverage, which I think us as kayak anglers are mostly going to be responsible for uh, creating our uh, creating it ourselves. Um, I think that if we can get some good coverage, that uh, door to open up wide to have some true professional anglers in our sport um, is within this year. Uh, as far as knowing where, where where it's going to go, what's going to happen with it, some ideas really solidifying whether it's those higher tier. Uh, invitational type of tournaments like um i think it's just as, as soon as we can get some good solid content and media on a handful of these names that you're seeing regularly uh tournament after tournament year after year now i think uh, there's finally going to be enough of a population of us to uh gain enough traction i mean you've got like i've 100 percent considered drew a professional angler have for a while um but the the number of guys and gals that you, you can call that right now, really few, but the potential for the ones waiting in the wings to where you can put them in that spot and like make them there as long as they're willing and, and want to do it. I think we're pretty darn close. Um, and I think it's worthwhile pursuing that too. Like when I talk to like Russ and Christine and like Drew, like I, I'm not trying to put pressure on them, but they're setting standards in our sports yeah. right now, whatever deals and stuff they're, they're hashing out. That's exactly they are right. setting the standards. They're pioneering what is going to be available for the the next ones coming after them. So uh, it's whether they know the importance of it. Sounds like Drew does realize the the gravity of it. Uh, it's a lot of that stuff is getting figured out now, and and will set the stage for the next year or two, and then uh, the next evolution will be after that. But yeah. I think we're close. I think we're close to that professional uh, level where you're going to see a full uh, a tier of anglers doing that. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. yeah, you're right, man. That was, I mean, that was one of the things I was going to say. I feel like 
it's a very much up to my like folks like myself and um you know christine and russ jody if we if those you know those guys who have been doing this for a while cody milton anyone who's seen a lot of success i mean you know adam you're you're getting right there too man you got to consider yourself in this conversation bro it's like if you take if you take just a discount you're hurting everybody like exactly the angler of the year for the most elite level you know, in my opinion yet hobie was the was the, the competition was the toughest if the angler of the year in that if i go and i say oh yeah sure i'll just take some free product from x y and z companies it hurts everybody else below me because it's like the nfl draft you wait until exactly. whoever was the first pick i don't know this year i don't remember man but um Joe Burrow, Burrow, when you and Burrow get, everyone waits for him to make his deal, and then they all slot in after that. Went to him and go, what about he got this? Yeah. So if Jody and Russ are out there and they're and I know they're doing a great job at this, they're trying to, and it's not like oh greedy, selfish. I'm trying to get a lot of money, blah blah blah. It's like no, there's a value. This really is. I hate it because it's the, but it's the truth. This is business. This is marketing. It's it's all about views and impressions and all this junk that i i didn't get into kai oh, we're passionate about yeah. fishing like so yeah. that's what like who who cares if you do have to be business minded at the end right. of the day we all genuinely get fired up about fishing and as long as that's there mm -hmm. then you know you're you're full within your right to to be yep. business minded about that yeah, stuff. exactly so none, of, none of us can actually nobody no one that kayak fishes could say that they would not love like more than anything to fish for a living I know I would. Right. I mean, sure, it may take a little bit of the fun out of it because you do have to treat it as a business. But if you could wake up every day and know, be like, mm -hmm. the way I collect my check today is go, you know, go fish, get on the water and enjoy myself. I mean, that, yeah, that, you turn into labor of love, man. That's what that's what you want, you know. That's exactly. right. Exactly. They, sure. they always say that you you want your career to be in something you love doing. Yeah. And I mean, you'd be crazy if you're just passionate about fishing as a I know all four of us are. Absolutely, I, mean, I would be thrilled for someone to write me a check to. Yep, and you can't be jealous, man. You can't. As we grow this thing at the beginning, you you can't be jealous, man. There's a there's a time that crept in my head, and I uh, back in the early early days when when I was with Jackson and Chad Hoover was with Wildy, we were just brutal, uh, just intense rivals. Those two brands, not so much Chad and I. I mean, probably a little bit, but I was a little bit like. If I saw him get an opportunity or something happened with him, uh, I was a little bit like jealous. And I said, then I realized one day I said, you know what? If Chad gets a deal with Nissan, it's going to only just prove to the other vehicle companies that kayak fishing is viable to sponsor. And it's going to open the door for someone like me. So now I'm pulling for Christine Fisher. I'm pulling for yeah. a Russ, a Jody, a Cody, whoever uh, we want to mention this. There's other people I'm, I'm definitely missing people. I like to say a lot of names on podcasts. The reason why I like to throw out a bunch of people's names, not just because they're good fishermen, they're my friends and whatever. Also it's because the more we keep growing and throwing these names out and it, it's just, I think it helps. It's like any marketing, you know, the more you see, they, they have studies, the more you see a sign of a certain uh, product or a brand or anything, the more value it, and the more likely you are to buy it, to sell it. The more we keep throwing this all out there, you don't know who's listening to this. When I go on a bigger, if I start going on to bigger podcast, speaking of uh, what Adam's saying, the more media that gets into this, we're going to have to make a lot of it our own. But if you Google Ryan Lambert's name or my name or Jody or Matt Ball or whoever uh, on Bassmaster.com, we come up. There's articles. They are following us already. The more they keep following us, the mainstream, that, that media sees it. And the more, like, if my phone starts ringing, 
because uh, I win a tournament on one of these major series or win Angler of the Year to be on the to be on Ike Live or Luke Duncan's uh you know low, low budget. budget Live or blah blah you name it you know the Bass Edge or any of these other bigger quote, bass fishing podcast then they're going to see me there and guess what I'm going to be on those podcasts saying the same thing Adam Riser Matt Ball you know Jody Queen just throwing out all the different names of uh, everybody I know just giving them all props to kind of grow us all because I want them to get an opportunity. If it, if I can help them, it's just going to help me, man. It's going to help everyone down the line. And you got to get that jealousy out of your system. We got to come together as a community, as a team and just grow don't it up. Be, together. Don't be jealous. Just turn that into your like driving factor. Yeah. Like you have to turn it into motivation. Yeah. You, I, I you know, Oh, Adam got that. I want that. You know, that's yeah. what, no jealousy. Yep. Ron Champion. Uh, who else is out there? Jason Broach. There's just so many studs in this sport. Jordan Marshall. I mean, we've got so many good guys and young guys like Guillermo Gonzalez and Joseph Sanderson. These guys that, that could be doing it full, full time soon. Yep. Uh, the other thing that's going to make it full time is when we get pers- the, the entry fees up. We, I mean, because right now we're still paying to play sort of thing. I mean, dude, there was talks at one point about uh, $500 entry fees. And I was like, dude, let's do, you know, 2000 like let's go because then people then it's going to really be that you know true elite elite you're not going to put into that unless you really really and it's going to be it'll weed it out it's going to be all you know that's i think you're going that, for the weekend warrior yeah it, so, it turns it, those, like i'm you know i'll fish a few hobies i'll fish at kbf but you know i'm still a weekend guy because i do full-time but right you're talking about that next like you know all the people that you're talking about that next level of people who are trying to establish themselves in this growing sport as the people that yeah yeah people that listen to this are i can guarantee you 80 percent of people listening to this is going to say that that's a ridiculously high number but just like you're talking about sponsors you know getting what you're worth that elite level you're not paying that that's where your sponsors come in that's where that's where this develops full circle it's not Mm -hmm. i'm not asking you know tony down the street that can hammer it on pickwick to drop two thousand dollars and go fish you know okeechobee with Mm -hmm. 20 other guys it's those people will stand out on their own and yeah i definitely think that would be a and that's gonna again full circle you a tournament like that it's gonna have a giant payout that's what's gonna get noticed to somebody holding up a hundred thousand dollar check and if you do well then you can enter in like the rest of that trail you know like Mm -hmm. it's it, it seems like a high number but uh, my man Drew's got a bunch of checks behind his head right That's now. Right. Got some pretty juicy numbers. Look at that. You want to talk about <laughs> that? numbers? I think what Drew paid. That's what my man won right there. So as, as right tournament there. standings yeah. sit right now, that one check behind him is a year of tournaments. If you, if right. that's what you had to do, you did it. You know, there's but, so but many. Exactly. And that's what sets it guys for this. So here's what I do. I know Adam, you probably do it too. I've got a list of all the tournaments I'm going to fish. Have the entry fees, the how far away it is for me, you know, with the gas price, the lodging is gonna, you know, about seventy five bucks a night if you figure for lodging. And yeah, I might camp or I might do, you know, stay with a friend. Doesn't matter. I'm putting that seventy five bucks in there for for five nights. I list it all out and I can send that spreadsheet to my sponsors and say, this is what it's costing me to go out there and promote you and represent you. Yes, it's for me too. But when I do win, the kayak fish community has a good reach of podcasts and media that, that pick up and, and, and the sponsors, I'm blessed to have some really nice sponsors, Z-Man, um, Realtree. They have PR firms who write, like I'm a, you go to Realtree fishing, a realtree.com. 
you click on the phishing and I'm up there with articles and they are pushing that stuff out to their followers. So it all ties back in. So I can prove to them, this is why I need $5,000 from you. This is why I need it. Okay. It's not, I'm not making something up. Like I'm spinning this. And so if, if those entry fees were, let's say uh, my total this year came to about, I was like, Hey, I'm going to spend about 15,000 bucks in, you know, depending on how many I do, it looks around $15,000 to travel and do all this. To promote. And that's not, that's just tournament expenses. That's not counting this computer, the GoPros or whatever, anything else I have to buy fishing you know, equipment that I still may have to buy that I don't have the sponsor that can give me. Anyway, it's just tournament expenses. I let them know that this is just tournament expenses. If those entry fees were a thousand dollars and I'm fishing 12 events, that whole thing goes up $12,000 and then I can push for more from them. And then then the then the stuff I win, it could be a living. If you're a younger guy, if you're a Jackson or, uh, you know, and you don't have a family, uh, someone like myself or Corey Dreyer or whatever is a little, little harder. But, you know, I think Joseph's a single guy, Guillermo, Cody, and those guys, Josh Stewart, they, they could easily make a living on it if we had tournaments with those entry fees and they did the proper thing on the business side and convinced their sponsors to give enough money to cover all those entry fees and the travel. Then it's whatever they make is just – that's what they make for the year as well. And if you're a hustler like Christine, you're doing extra YouTube stuff, even better. And, and at the same time, I, you know, if there's anybody that are with some of these sponsor companies that listen to this, th- it only benefits them. And hopefully as a company, you know that that's how marketing works. But like my, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, biggest example I have of why it's worth it. Me personally, I knew about Crescent Kayaks. We, we had a guy that got on board with them down here, not like on board, as a team person, but first boats they put out, he loved them, showed them to everybody he could find. Um, but you doing as well as you did in our industry, in that boat, people I know that would never have considered that kind of kayak or, Oh man, I can't wait till Drew Gregory comes out with his boat. Oh man, I'm thinking about getting rid of this and going to a Crescent and that, that this whole marketing professionalism and everything you're talking about, directly benefits to them to where when you yeah. hand them that spreadsheet, they should be like, yeah. Hell yeah, here's the money. Like I, I really wish I could buy money in Crescent because I man, there's a lot of hype behind your kayaks coming well, up. Seriously. I'm curious to see it's, it. I know yeah. Drew's got yeah, it's up. pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. I'll tell you that. We've uh kind of finished up with the design process of it, if you will. So it's it's uh theoretically out there digitally where I if, you know, see the whole thing <laughs> in three, you know, 3d, I, I can, it's pre mold. It's pre, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's basically done. we got everything, all this, the pieces and components, what's going to go where and all that. We just, uh, how long get, before you get your get hands on your first prototype? I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping in like the late spring okay. and then typically the consumers will start to see it a month later, but will we announce it? The question is, when do you announce it really and show it off? Because then people can kind of hold out, you know, if you're going to buy in the spring, if you think something that you might be interested is coming out, you, you might wait, you know, until, Oh, okay. I might be able to get this thing in late spring. So do you, do you, if, if you're Crescent, you know, do we announce this thing sooner? And do we leak it to dealers in January, February? I mean, March, I, yeah, I don't you, know. You got to start with the teaser picks, man. Yeah. That's what yeah, we like yeah. To see. Little small teaser picks. Just the shit, you know, the outline of it. Yeah. It's like. pretty sweet. It's got a lot of unique features on it for sure. That's it's very you know, something, something that vibe when vibe did the sheer water, the way they like poked around at like 
this leak photo this week, that leak photo. I thought that was awesome. Cool. Whether you yeah. like Bob or not, they did a killer job with that. Okay. We'll keep that in mind. We'll keep that in mind. But to, and to your point though, you're absolutely right though. These companies, you know, Crescent was a good example, but if it was Yak Attack who I'm with or anybody else, they, they, they should, I mean, definitely start. I don't, and they believe uh, in me, obviously all these companies do, but they, they should really understand why that's so worth it for them. Um, it's just sometimes it's hard to track. I get it. They can't follow where we are constantly, all the different podcasts and, and articles. And I can't even keep up, man. It's, it's, but if we get to those bigger media platforms and those streams, I'm telling you, they'll notice then because yeah. the big players that have all the, the money in our sport, they listen to those, those big ones I've, I've referenced in this uh, stray cast, for example, yeah. man, you know, and Christine Fisher was on there and that's a, that, I was so happy and excited to see her on that. Mm -hmm. And and she was she on was the Luke talking and iCloud. She's I, mean, I mean, I, I mean, Luke's, I mean, I've texted with Luke uh, and I've got, friends uh, in the industry and I've had some pro bass fishing on my hooked on wild water show when I did it. So I I'm doing my best out there for you guys, kayak anglers. I'm, I'm speaking right in the camera to everyone who's trying to do this for a living. I'm doing my best. Um, you know, Luke's texted me back, said he's going to have me on the podcast. So I'll get on there eventually. I just don't know when I, I I'm sure I come down in the pecking order to, you know, all the drama in the industry right now with, you know, all this, changeover with some elite guys, some um, MLF guys going to lead and in the the opens guys that one that are now in the elite series are talking about all that. And the schedules being dropped for the opens and the elite, whatever we, we obviously are going to take back seat for now, but you know, that's just. You know, and, and not, you know, not to come off the side of that, but we're doing the same thing for everybody that enjoys listening to paddle and fan, or that's just now hearing about us we're doing the same thing on the opposite side of the industry. Like you're talking about the big major podcasts, you know, we're, we're making big changes right now that everybody will start to see the beginning of this year. And, you know, we've had crazy growth, you know, it, just to throw out the quick numbers, you know, a hundred thousand took a year and then the next hundred thousand took six months and it's continually a hundred thousand was like three months. So it's snowball. It's just, it's fine. Yeah. And yeah, that's, and me Paddle and Finn will be up there. Yeah, like, I've reached out to Luke Duncan. I've messaged with him, uh, Mark Pentagrack from BTL. Like, I'm trying to push kayak guys to get on there too, because you know, to help them be a resource if they don't know who they're, they don't know who to talk to. You know, reach the guy. They don't. Yeah, they just don't know. Yeah, and it's tough. If I reach out, they're like, "Who are you?" And I and I literally just feel like I'm. I feel like freaking Magatu and Zoolander, dude. Like I'm sitting there like, what? I invented the piano key necktie. Oh. Like, I feel like he just, like, I feel like it just feels odd. I'm not going to sit there and say like, Hey everybody. Uh, if you go Google the patent for the high low seat, uh, I designed the, the high low seat that every one of us are sitting in these days. Okay. Like, but they don't know that, but yeah. I, I feel like uh, taking crazy pills. Like you just want to ring their necks. Like it shouldn't be this hard, you know, for us to like, Breakthrough. It's like, hey, like my last, I fished twelve tournaments this year, and I was in the top like seven or eight percent in ten of the twelve. And you just want to ring the next and be like, hello, there's good content, good stories here. Like, how did you do that? You know, it's like, and I'm not, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I don't, I'm trying to sell y'all to them to get them to. Tell Mark to, tell Mark to have me on, dude. Tell, tell Mark that's, to have me that's on. why I think it's up to us. And I, I'm mostly yeah. preaching to myself right now. Like we, we as anglers got to step it up. I know it's, it's nice, like hook sets and, and getting out there and uh, fishing with your buddies. But like, I got to devote time to, you know, getting that B roll, creating content, sitting at the computer yeah. and doing the editing. Like, 
that that's work, man. That's a lot of yeah. hours to get yeah. eaten up. But uh, I don't got to tell y'all or your audience at this point, like, you know, your, your content, your YouTube, your podcast and all that, that's, that's what's reaching these people right now on social media. So if you're, if you're like me and only limiting yourself to just some hashtags and some glory photos of fish, that ain't going to cut it at the end of the day, man. You got to step it up and, and deliver more of that. And I think uh, between that and uh, having a lot of like the boat world finally start to tell the, the you know, the non-angler powers in our sport, be like, hey, you need, you need to keep an eye on these kayak guys. Like they're doing something here. Like these, they're pushing some numbers. Like I think it'll happen. It, as long as we keep putting in the effort too, it, it, it's yeah. it's going to happen. But dude, I know plenty. We all know plenty of good, great kayak anglers that uh, would totally benefit themselves in the sport from uh, turning out content that just don't or can or won't for whatever reason. So yeah. I, I think we got to step it up next year if we want to see a lot of this come to fruition that we're uh, talking about here. I, I definitely agree with that, and it's something I think that we saw a really small a bit of this year, a little bit the year before was, you know, all the spotlights on the bass boat pros, you know, and that's what we're aiming for having them try our methods, like seeing Ike come and compete mm -hmm. and not win, you know, that, I mean, God knows you give that man a couple of months doing it and he will, he will, he will change that. But I think it would be amazing for like PR to see where we did like a, 10 versus our best, the, the best voted 10 in kayak fishing, top 10 bass boat anglers, just for fun. The first go around, pick a lake, you and your boats, us in the kayaks. Let's see what happens. I think that there's a solid chance that the, the kayak guys could probably shut them down. I think you guys would be down to do it. I bet it's just hard to schedule. I think you, oh, get, no, yeah. you yeah. can probably get enough big names to do it. It's I just hard to get on right now that I know would do it. Right. For sure. Right. Back and forth. Like first you have to compete on boats and then you have to compete on kayaks. Right. That would be then, cool. That would, that would be cool. Yeah. No so I, another question I had is, and we don't want, I, it's almost been an hour and a half. We don't want to hold y'all up, but the, um, I've heard a lot of talk where, and this was came from Luke Duncan where and LDNMC, if you don't listen to that podcast, is him with Dave Mercer, the MC of Bassmaster, um, the Elite Series. But they were talking about how a lot of companies, because there was a such so much growth last year that maybe that negatively affects the anglers because there's no need, like let's say a kayak company, if they're selling them like hotcakes, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. hot, why are they going to sponsor you? put money into you whenever they're already selling them. And, I, and they said that and they're more in touch. They're obviously more plugged in than what I am, um, especially Luke, because he, you know, he reps TH Marine. He's been a sales guy, regional sales guy, or the whole sales guy for him for a while. But the, um, like I went, I have, a, I have an MBA. And to me, the, if a business doesn't want to be the best business, I like, if you're even if you're selling a bunch, you're still trying to sell the most out of the bunch, right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Like, if there's still yeah. market, you're still competing for market share, even if there's more market share, you're still trying to get the most of it. So, I, maybe the, the payroll goes down a little bit because you can spend your money in marketing, maybe in a different way, maybe you're moving that money around. But to me, I, I think it's a temporary blip of a longer game yeah, oh yeah. yeah I, I just 
You said that, and I just kind of wanted to get your your thoughts on that. I didn't see that happening. Like I agree, hundred percent, man. It's not always going to be the land of milk and honey. It's okay. not, and you need to get the talent, the most talented anglers you can now on your team, and just talented in every way, like Adam was saying, that can create content, that can speak well. They're going to get, you know, do well in tournaments, or or just they don't have to be just tournaments. Obviously, it could be a good seminar guy. You could have a good uh, Greg Blanchard, just a good, I mean, he's good in tournaments, but he also is just really known for his videos, YouTube. You got to get, get the guys while you can now. Cause it's just, it's not always going to be like this, but it's not going to be like this because here's why everyone knows it's like this. So if you're a smart business guy right now, you would start a lure company because th there's a plenty. You would start another rod company or it's, it, it's going to keep getting chopped up that pie when it gets, you know, when things yeah. are going good. So that that's going to hurt. Plus, when it the economy, whenever it does kind of take a downturn, we don't see sales increase like we did this year with the COVID kind of that helped our industry. You're going to need those guys, and you want to you know lock them in now while you can. Plus, you got you're doing so well with the sales, you got a little money to be yeah, able to at least sure. like keep them, at least just keep them, you know, at bay and and on your team. And maybe it's a little bit different for the kayak industry because we're a little bit more insulated because we've been on that growth that the growth has been so strong for so long and it's different for them where it's only been one year of a big giant, you know, increase in sales rather than the growth we've seen over the last few. And on that same thing, you, you have to hope that like, kind of like you touched on that these companies know, I mean, a, a smart company that, you know, really is dialed into what they're doing is going to know that, yeah, this was a great year, but it was a great year for a reason that you can't control. So, hopefully you know companies didn't see like I, I i've talked to a guy i know that johnny morris and bass pro shop did some stuff that was a great move for them this year during that explosion with our industry because of COVID. well and not just kayaks you know canoes just outdoor sports mm -hmm. but it worries me is that gonna kill them next year like they invested a lot of money to make a certain move right what's gonna happen you know are you going to have to get rid of all those guys you hired, mm -hmm. you know? And that's, but I, I think that it'll, it'll also show you which companies know what they're doing. Like we, we might see certain brands that played the market right now and put their money in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Z-Man made a comment. Um, I was talking to one of the guys, I'm not going to say who it is high up at Z-Man and I won't, I'll just kind of paraphrase what he said, but he was just saying, I mean, the orders are, I mean, this is the brand, as everyone knows, is hot. It's growing like crazy. My, you know, I used 90% Z-Man stuff to, to do what I did this year. And he's a little, like, scared of the orders. Like, it's how many how many they're getting because he's they're a little bit scared that all the dealers are ordering, expecting what hap what what if what happens right. this year happens again. Because if, if you run out of product, you're the one that loses because you could have sold it. Because it's if you had a kayak or if you had the lure, the raw, the reel – you could sell it. So now they're all the retailers are saying, well, we need to hoard. Well, which means the manufacturers have to go and order an insane amount, which means they have to put all that capital up. So at one point they're going to have in their warehouse so much, you know, inventory, but right. what if that, that pipeline slows down on this side again, they start and they're, stuck, and they're stuck with so much inventory and so much debt to who they bought those from or whatever. Uh, you know, the, the manufacturer, the actual manufacturers, if they're not making their own on some baits, because um, Z-Man does some stuff in-house and some stuff, you know, different places around around the globe. So, I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's just tough because it's a scary thing when you're 
and you've never had to order that much quantity, you know, have that much capital because you're trying to fulfill all these orders. That's scary. I get it. I get it. It's, it's got a bubble's got to burst at some point. Can't keep on the rate it did this year. I get it. Exactly. I'm, I'm imagining like a warehouse, the Z-Man warehouse and like just a, a, a boxes of TRD worms. And then there's just like a Ned avalanche in the warehouse. And it's all <laughs> what was just discussed here. Like the, re the retail shops ordering so much that Z-Man has Ned avalanches in their, their headquarters. Ned's coming out of the window, but it's yeah. Z-Man. So there the might be a like, you should be able to stretch the warehouse. If that, if that <laughs> hey, if that, if it, if if I went that way, if that was the way I was, you know, leave this earth, that, that someone will say, at least he, you know, he died happy, right? Doing what he loved and yeah, <laughs> right. living in chatterbaits, right? Yeah. Drew, you'll have, you'll, have, you'll have to go ask uh, who, your, your people at, at Z-Man. So I, I used to work on these party bikes in Nashville and it was mostly bachelorette parties. And uh, I had this one girl talking to me and she, uh, she was like, what do you like to do? And I was like, oh, I, I go fish. She's like, Oh, like my, my folks or parents or something, her family. She's like, we, we owned a fishing lure company. She's like, I literally like help put the lures together, like in my house. And I was like, Oh, what company? It's been it Z-Man. Like, so somewhere, cool. I don't know if it's someone that, yeah. to what degree she was telling the truth, but uh, maybe she'll, she'll be the one that gets in the net avalanche. I don't know. <laughs> and riding a bike. That's, that's, funny. That, that's funny, man. That another funny side story about Z-Man. I used to live in South Carolina, right? Four years, uh, four or five years when I worked for the Lander university. And, uh, yeah, took a girl there uh, a couple dates and she mentioned, she used to, you know, since I fished, she mentioned something, the same thing, probably the same girl, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so good if it was. Definitely not. Definitely not. Because I mean, not, I'm not going to age myself here, but I, there's no way this girl, I think this girl's been married a while, but, um, she said she knew, knew the guy that invented the chatterbait and he actually is from that area. Cause Z-Man ended up purchasing that from i think his name is ron davis the inventor okay. of chatterbait and um so she would babysit for his daughter or something whatever i was that's crazy so it kind of ended up having a connection there uh with that girl as well so that was just that's just kind of a funny story that uh, and i got connected with z-man very early on and just uh happened to you know, Drew was just with from now, Chatterbaits, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the they may be on the stock market exchange soon. You know, with the with the how many jackhammers and Neds are selling, we'll see. Yeah, oh, absolutely, man. They're they are. I will say this about Z Man, and not to well, I guess it's not a big deal. I'm mean, gonna just keep plugging the the mainstream shows we look to. But I, I, Ike said it best, man. On Ike Live recently, said kudos to Z Man. He kind of said like that. Kudos to Z Man. Those guys. <laughs> They actually enforce that patent. There's and he was like, yeah. "There's no point in it. You know, nobody in the fish industry. We just borrow and steal and blah blah." But kudos to those guys. He's like, they enforce that thing, and good on them. They made a lot of money on that, and everyone agreed. It's the purpose of the patent to you. If you're not enforcing it, totally. what's the purpose of it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, why'd you buy it, right? Because so anyway, kudos to them. Because and I will say this: they are the smartest, the most well-run, <laughs> business-savvy company I've ever worked with they're like on and it's 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 frustrating in some ways because it's easy with other companies and our paddle sports world is just a handshake email we talk on the phone here's here's what we'll do for you cool but z-man is like on such a point with that stuff and the the real true kind of i think owner owners of z-man they actually own a lot of other major companies you could look it up research about it and they are business people and they are 
running that company real well, but the, all the people at Z-Man are fishermen people that are also the kind of people that we could talk to and, and hang out and drink a beer with whatever, just like we're doing now. So it's a really, really well run company. And I, I appreciate that about them as well. Not, they don't just make good baits, but they know how to structure a company, be profitable, which trickles down to us. And that's what yeah. I'm so that matters to me. I want to see a well-managed company so they can trickle down to the English because we're the last ones that are going to ever get a cut because everyone wants, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll ask the question that I'm sure most of the audience is wanting to know right now, which is who is the man Z? Who is he? Who is this Z man? Z? <laughs> who is he? I, 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 want to meet him. I didn't want to bring it up, but before we That's got married, my wife's, you know, this might look like a humble basement that I'm sitting in, but my wife's maiden name was Z man. So. Well, dude, you should have taken her name then. Good lord, I should have. Yeah. Would you be Dan? Dan, Dan. Dan Z. Dan Z. Dan. Oh, good. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought. I thought it was kind of weird when when you you named your your firstborn uh, Jackhammer. That was a little bit <laughs> out there. That's but, yeah. Yeah. Um. Hey, one thing I thought about too. I know we're probably gonna wrap this episode. Is for those bigger fishing bass fishing world what they should be paying attention to is the is the amount of times we've referenced those podcasts kayak fishermen and specifically as these tournaments oh. grow i didn't give a rip about until i started really getting in this tournament scene probably a, a year and a half ago now like this is my first year to really do it, focus on it hard full time the year before i fished five events um and it was kind of getting to it i it makes me a fan of Bassmaster more now than i ever was as a kid yeah. Yeah, it makes me a fan of major league fishing. If there's a if there's a derb, as they say, there's a derb going on, derb. and one of those series, I'm I'm watching it. My wife will tell you, it's I got my phone on, I'm watching it. Dude, we are we are growing the impressions for the bass boat world too. It's like that they should, yeah, the love should continue to flow our, back our way some too, and they should, and they should love and love kayak fishing, not be like oh those kayaks freaking all on our lake. As long as we keep those rules and we keep the kayak and kayak fishing, we keep ourselves separate there. I think we'll find the actual anglers will, will get along well, but then the, the media too, they should love us even more. It's like, man, they're just bringing more people into the sport. And Corey Dreyer and Craig Dye, those guys both announced like, hey, I'm going to fish the – Craig said, hey, I'm going to fish the BFLs. Yeah, that's Craig, cool. Corey Dreyer's like, I'm going to – and he's fished Bass Boat World before, but he's like, I'm going to go. I'm fishing these uh, Toyota Series this year. It's growing what they're doing, man. Like we should for sure – and I, I came from the bass boat side. They should love us because I literally have more tackle rods and reels now than what I did. Right. Because yeah. I have more disposable income that, that I'm not spending on a boat. That's right. So That's I, right. I don't have less gear now. I have more. So, yeah, it's all true, man. Hey, someone needs to, someone needs to listen to this podcast. Luke yeah, Duncan or I, Mark Syndergaard, like you said, uh, it's Bass Talk Live. He does right, Mark. Yeah. Is he the one that does? Uh, added Frank, this guy Frank on recently. I think that's who. Uh, he's from Cleveland area, I believe. Frank. Anyway, you know uh, Cleveland Frank. Yeah, Cle yeah. <laughs> Well, he's on the podcast with him. He's been he's been talking to him. He used to fish. Uh, yeah, I haven't listened to it but, recently. Uh, anyway, so we'll just uh, wait and I've see. I've been waiting years too much, man. I don't, I don't have any more time. I know, right? I, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it has gotten hard, man. Podcasting has blown up in the last year or two. It was, it's so, like, I used to keep up with every show 
for all the good shows. And now like y'all are talking about shows. I can't, I don't remember, or I don't listen to, or I haven't heard of. It's just when you go through the 400 other episodes, it's I, I'm a month or two behind on everything. It's just so dope. And recording them. It's so like, I've lost interest. I'm like, well, no, I don't want to listen to it. I recorded one. I'm lucky. <laughs> I work from home on my computer. So I listen to podcasts all day, but yeah. So I have plenty of time, but the, yeah, it's, it is tough. There's so many. Yeah. But all right, we'll end it there. It's been too long. We appreciate y'all's time. Thank y'all for being on. And uh, hopefully everybody had a great Christmas. As always, thank you for listening. And wear your PFDs and be safe out there. See you next right, time, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for tuning in this week, everybody. The Reel Down was brought to you by the Dugout Bait and Tackle in Marietta, Georgia. They have everything you need for your next fishing adventure from rods, reel, line, and tackle all the way up to Hobie Fishing Kayaks. They carry all your favorite brands like G. Loomis, St. Croix, Shimano, and many, many more, as well as all of our best bait companies. Give them a like and follow and head on over to the Dugout Bait and Tackle today and be sure and tell them that Paddle and Finn sent you.